Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius. We are going through the book of First Peter, the epistle of First Peter, chapter 4 is where we are right now. And I believe the Lord is going to give you understanding. In this chapter 4, Apostle Paul continues the exhortation to we believer. And we start from verse 1. I might we just read through it and I will stop and give some explanation or go refer to some other Bible verses in the scripture. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now that is the beginning of chapter 4 of the letter of our Apostle Peter. Apostle Peter chapter 4 verse 1. Because you have to remember this continuation of what he was saying in chapter 3. Because he said Christ has gone out to heaven. Now he's going and his authorities and powers are made subject unto him in, in chapter 3 verse 22. Now he's continuing that theme of, of, of exhortation. He said, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, he suffered in the flesh, we are also to arm ourselves likewise with the same mind that we are ready to suffer for Christ. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. I'm talking about Christ. Once you, once you, once you, once you give your life to Christ, you may suffer in the flesh. But remember, Christ did the same thing for us. Verse two said that he no longer should leave the rest of his time in the flesh to the loss of men, but to the will of God. So, if we suffer in the flesh, we should remember that Christ died, did the same thing for us, and is now living according to the will of God in us. But still say, for the time pass of our life may be may suffice us to afford the will of the Gentiles. When we walk in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, bad points, and abominable idolatries. He said, we you try to remember that now you are born again. Remember all the uh, all the evil things you have done is is enough. That's what he's saying. It's sufficient to have done all those things. Let that be let the past thing that you have done. Let that be enough of all those unbelievers. Don't go back to it. That's what he say. The time pass of our life may suffice us to avoid the will of the Gentiles. That is all that we have done in the past. Let that be good enough. Leave it to, to, to the unbelieving world and now face heaven, face holiness, face righteousness. Want to please God. Don't go back into loss and excess of wine, reveling as dancing, disco, banqueting, abominable idolatry. Say, we have had enough of that. Give it up. If you know what you are, what you are, what you what, where you are going, give up all this other lifestyle. That's what he's saying that verse three. So the time pass of our life is sufficient enough to have brought all this will of the Gentiles and all those excess of wine, lavishness, greed, loss, banqueting, abominable. Enough of that. Now face heaven, face the kingdom of God, face holiness and righteousness. Verse four says, "We are in the ungodly world. We think evil of you. We are in. They think it strange." That you run not with them to the same excess of riot, they will be speaking evil of you. When we give our life to Christ, we forsake all the former friends and friendly behavior of, of going to disco, party, ungodliness, or for fornication, adultery, embezzlement. When we forsake all of those things, the ungodly people that are still in those things, we think we are strange. Because they couldn't understand that we have seen some better glory that we are pursuing. Pursue heaven, pursue something that is better. That is very important. Verse 5. He said, They shall give account to whom that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. So, this is some people that think you are strange. 
they will be giving account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. Verse 4 says, verse 6 says, For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Now, this is another revelation that Apostle Peter is giving to us here that even those who are dead, these apostles started preaching about us. They are preaching to the people that are living. They say even the gospel was preached to those who are already dead. Like he said, Jesus Christ went to those spirits that were in prison, that were already dead on earth in the days of Noah, but they were in prison in hell. And Jesus Christ three days went to preach to them. So that's what for? What for? It's for this purpose. That they may either be saved and live according to they are living. They are not they are not dead, that's why Christ can go and preach to them. They were living somewhere in the spirit. But they are going to be judged according to men in the flesh. That's what Apostle Peter says, verse 6. See, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. How can you preach to them that are dead? You are not preaching to their body. You are preaching, they are preaching to their spirit. Not we or her. It's Jesus Christ that went to preach to them in the, in the spirit. That's what he was talking to, talking about when he said Christ went, for, when he was dead, he went to preach to the spirits in prison. They were in prison in, in the place called death or hell, and they were preached to by Christ for those three days. Why? That they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but they will they live according to God in this record. They are they are alive somewhere and God can see them. So if they repent and believe, then they can be transferred from that place to paradise. And many people believe that some of them were transferred from that place to paradise for those three days. Like this guy was telling the, the thief on the cross that today you will be with me in paradise. But that thief of the cross was a, was a thief until that day when he confessed Christ that remember me. That single trance, because he believed that this is the Messiah indeed, and in single trance, I remember when you come to your kingdom, Jesus Christ gave him grace that you'll be with me in paradise. That saved that man. He would have gone to hell if he had died in that scene of uh, arm, robber, arm robbery that he was doing, that made the, the Roman Empire crucify him. He would have died and go to hell. But he got his mercy right before he died. The same people, those who were in hell, they didn't get opportunity to see that and they were in hell by the time Christ went to them. They could repent. Some of them could not all of them. Some of them could repent. Some others may not because it depends on whom they are. See, Christ said, I know my sheep. Just like the two thieves on the cross. One confessed Christ, the other one was lambasting him and said, You are in the cross. Save yourself and house. And he went to hell. While the other one said, Don't you fear God? You are all justifiably, just, just, justly being condemned. But this man has done nothing wrong. He went with him to paradise. So that is why it depends on who you are. Whether you are going to paradise or you are going to hell. And it depends on who you confess. And you will confess what you believe. And you see, if you don't believe what you are preaching right now, you will confess it. But if you believe what you are preaching right now, confess it and God will be standing by you. And you will be one that have a hope of eternal life. Verse 7 of First Peter chapter 4. But the end of all things is at hand. Now he's telling about prophecy now. That we are close to the end of all things right now. And you know that. You can also know that. The end of the world is closer by. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. That's a question for you and me. As our believers, be sober. All this, um, we must go to this disco. We must go to this party. Oh, fairity. All this party, party, party. Be sober, my brother. Think of where you are going from here if you die. 
That's why be also sober and wash unto prayer. Verse 8 says, And above all things, have fervent charity, that's love, among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Love of God, love one another. He says, you cover the multitude of sins. Actually, the Bible said, love is the fulfillment of all the commandments. Love. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is the fulfillment of all the commandments. And that's why he says, you cover a multitude of sins. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not tell lies. Thou shalt not uh, do this. All of those laws of Moses, they are covered in, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Just love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he's saying. He cover all the multitude of sins. Verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 4. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. That is, hospitable to one another. Your brethren came around, you want to hospitalize or be hospitable to them. Welcome them to your house without grudging. Verse 10. As every man has received the gift, even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Minister your gift, whatever is a gift, it could be spiritual gift, it could also be a physical gift. The money you have is a gift from God. You have a lot of a very good job and you are making good salary, it's a gift from God. You use that to minister to other people as a gift. It's a minister one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You are a steward of what God puts in your hands. Like the ministry has given to our hands, we are steward of it and we are to do it faithfully. And the money you give to us to use for the ministry, we are a steward of it, we are to use it effectively for the gospel and put it in the right field that will bring more results. So we are good, we are to be a good steward of the grace of God, the manifold grace of God. This is the gift you are given to us, whatever is the grace that you are, make sure you are being accountable to it, accountable to God, be a good steward of it, is what he said. Verse 11. First Peter chapter 4. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Now, this is exhortation one by one. If you are going to speak at all, speak like oracle. What is an oracle of God? That, because what you say must come to pass. That's what the oracle is. Oracle is what God says something must come to pass. And the Bible has already given us that. Jesus Christ gave it in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Christ said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Whosoever, that's everybody. Anybody can claim, let's say, we believers have to use that freely. If you say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe what you say shall come to pass. What you say shall come to pass. Believe what you say shall come to pass. Then that, if you if you believe that, and I say it shall come to pass if you say it and you believe it, then you are an oracle of God if you are able to say it and it comes to pass. Also. So that's what Apostle Peter is saying that. If any man is speaking, speak as an oracle of God, as the oracles of God, so that what you say shall come to pass. Because you are saying it in faith, not doubting, not, 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 and so then you don't want to say something evil that you don't really want to cause You don't want to cause people. You don't want that to happen. You don't want to speak evil about your son or your daughter or your spouse. That will be like a cause. You want it to come to pass? You don't want it to come to pass, why say it? But what you say shall come to pass what Jesus said. He said you have to speak as oracles of God. Very important to take caution of that. To guide your mind. That's why he was saying earlier about that. Keep your tongue from evil. Because if you know that what you say, you are saying anything you say as an oracle of God. That's why you shouldn't be saying just jokes that you don't mean. Or dirty jokes. How much more? Just joke to make people laugh. 
that could just be just lies or make believe. Why say it? Just keep your mouth shut. Be praising God rather than that, just praise God. And we have to, to all of us have to practice that. Sometimes we may offend by forgetting who we are and participating in those jokes. But when you remember who you are, like this is what I was supposed to say. Practice to keep yourself, keep your mouth shut, bridle your tongue, practice it until it becomes part of you. And then you make you make you be quiet, also. So that when now you open your mouth and say something that you believe and you want it to happen, it will happen because you are speaking as oracles of God. That's we believers. We have to speak as oracles of God. If any man minister, minister is preaching, teaching, praying for the sick, anything you are doing like that, let him do it as of the ability which God gave it. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So whatever you are doing, do it with the ability God has given to you. That's what he's saying. Verse 12. Beloved, think it not so nice. Taking, taking, changing gear right now is going to tell us more about what is going to happen. Or what is happening in our, in, in our, in our current life. Don't take it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Now, there's going to be a persecution. He's pointing down in his own days. When he was writing this, maybe the persecution had not started then because there was persecution in the days of Apostle Peter too that he saw coming. And that was what he was actually referring to. But it's not just for them in that generation. It's another persecution is still coming at the end of the world that's going to be severe upon believers. According to the book of Revelation chapter 13, Verse 7 said, The Antichrist, which is the beast, as was reported in chapter 13, we wage war against the saints of God. And overcome them, means many of them will be killed through this Antichrist, arrested, imprisoned. The son will be protected by God. That has been prophesied in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, and we know it started for the end of the world. But when their own time came in the days of our hospital, they thought that was it, really. They thought that was the persecution they have been thinking about. Because they were thinking the emperor then was the Antichrist. See? But see, the Antichrist is from that area too, from the emperor of Rome and so on. But it's another one coming at the end of the world. Because God, they, what they didn't realize is that God gave mankind 6,000 years. And when they were preaching, they were just the 4,000th year. Christ came at the end of 4,000 years. So they started the 5,000 year and preaching about. So they thought this, this is it. But see, we can look back and say 2,000 years past, we now understand that the 6,000 years God gave to mankind is expiring in our dispensation now. And so the Antichrist that we are, that have been prophesied in the book of Leviticus chapter 13, prophesied 2,000 years ago, is just about to show up. Why? Because what the Bible said the Antichrist will do, it will mark the whole world, nobody can buy or sell unless they have the mark of this beast. That is just coming to view in our generation now. Now they are what they call the sheep under the skin. That nobody, when they begin to introduce that, that it will be like the monetary system that we use in the end of the world. And the Bible said that is what nobody should take under their skin because it's an evil, evil technology. Evil technology that the devil is introduced to the world. To mark the world in their forehead, they will put it, or in their hand. Somewhere here, they are in, in, in injecting that thing, like look like a sheep under the skin. And the prophets have said it in the book of Revelation chapter 13 that he made the whole world. When he said the false prophet that looked like he has two horns, that's representing the American government of the world. USA, Canada, or North and South America. They are represented by those two horns because they claim to be the, because it looks like a lamb. That's, they look like the 
Christian countries, Christian countries, that's what it means, countries, one, Christian countries. See? But it's that government that is making them take the mark of the Antichrist. That is just talking about the technology is coming from that part of the world. The technology of putting ships under the skin is coming from that part of the world. Now, Europe, European countries are taking it, which is the real beast in the European continent. That's the, the seven, the beast with its seven heads and ten horns. That's the Euro European continent, where the Rome was part of it. Rome was the beginning of it, the Roman Empire. Now it's now European countries. That is what was prophesied by Apostle John in the book of Revelation, chapter 13. He said, The beast came forth, that's the European countries. Then the first prophet with two horns, that's the American continent, American countries. But the American countries were where the technology is coming from. When you look at that, so he said, He was one that made fire come down from heaven. That's what you see when they send shuttle to heaven. When the shuttle is coming down, it's like fire coming down from the sky. We saw it on television. When one of the shuttle was coming down, the show on TV, it was like fire coming down from the sky. That was what Apostle John saw in his vision. So he made fire come down from heaven, meaning before men. He also made the image to speak. That's the television. It came from the Americans. Image speaking. That's television. That's you know what we are seeing right now. Image speaking. But that's just talking about technology. That this government of the world will be introducing. But see, in the days of Apostle John, they talk, what kind of a thing? This is deception. See, that's the, but we can see that he's just talking about technology right now. But the deception is that they will make men take the sheep under their skin that God said don't take in every chapter 14. See, anybody that takes the mark of the beast or put their, their number under their skin on their forehead, they will partake of the wrath of God. The first wrath of God in the book of Revelation, chapter 15 and chapter 16, the first wrath that was poured, the vows of the wrath of God poured upon mankind, the first thing was plague of boil, maybe you see, noisome saw upon all them that take the mark of the sheep. Look like what they thought would not be cancer, suddenly turn to cancer. They put the sheep under their skin, it turned to cancer. And that palace is the first plague, what God told them that don't take the mark of the beast. They put it on their forehead, and then they are the beginning of the saw. Go and read the book of Revelation chapter 16. Let me point that one to you. That was what the Bible was prophesying, but it was said to be deception according to Apostle John. But we can understand it's technology that guns sour. God said don't partake. And those that partake will be in serious trouble. Here is chapter 16 of the book of Revelation, chapter 16 and 9, verse 1 and 2. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vows of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vow upon the earth, and they have fed a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which are the mark of the beast, and upon them that wash, which worship his image. So that was the first judgment was this thing they put under their skin suddenly becomes sore. And every one of them that have it have this cancer, if you can call it cancer. And that was what God has warned them not to partake of. Well, the first rod is that. Because why is that? Because that was the mark the Satan was putting upon them. God said, I'm going to put my name upon their foil. God Satan said, Oh, I will put my name upon their foil. They can't buy us unless they take the mark of the beast. And that's really what God is judging. God is judge, the judge the physical world and judge the spiritual world. And this is what has been prophesied in the book of Peter. Apostle Peter also begin to allude to it when we are that we are reading right now. Where he said in chapter 4, we are still in chapter 4, 
Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial in verse 12, which is to try you because the fiery trial is that there will be no way to buy or sell unless they take the mark. And those who know the truth will not take the mark. So it will be trial times. Many will run like us, gather run on in the jungle. God say you will protect some in the wilderness. They wrote chapter 3. Mentioned that I will protect verse 10 or so, verse 12. Protect some in the wilderness. But it's just for temporary few years before the rapture took place or they will be taken off before the wrath of God for one year in the book of chapter 15, 16. But those are all you are. We have preached all of this in many other places. That's why we want to keep learning by reading some of our literature or asking for more of our test of our exhortation or listen to some of our sermons on radio. You will get some of these that we have preached in other places. Now he went further, he said, Think it not strange concerning this fiery trial that wishes to try you. He was expect they were expecting that there will be a trial in their time. They were thinking that was the end of it. As though some strange thing happened unto you. Verse 30 said, But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So whatever we suffer or not, because we believe in Christ, like the end of the world when the the believers that know the truth will not take the mark of the beast in their hand or in their forehead, and that will be a struggle time because they won't be able to buy or sell. It's like when they face off all the currencies, no more money, except you have that ship under your skin where it's going to be registering your money in the bank. If you have any money in the bank, that's how you're going to be able to use it to buy whatever you need to buy. By the time they do that, anybody that does not take the mark under their skin or on their forehead will not be able to buy or sell. And that they are now suffering for Christ also because the reason why they refuse to take it is because the Bible says so. So that's why they are not going to take it. So that's why they say that you are suffering for Christ. But you may be glad, but you rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. How many good to eat then? It's a suffering time here. But God will protect some. Some may be even be key for they may begin to arrest those who refuse to take the mark of this. You see? But you gladly die for, for our faith. You're ready to die because you know, in a few years they will be resurrected again to live with Christ forever. Why would somebody take the mark just for a few years and then be destroyed in the world? Destroyed forever? It's better to suffer now and, and, and enjoy later than to enjoy now and suffer for the rest of eternity. Verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, appear ye for the spirit of glory and of God rested upon you. On their part is evil spoken of, but on your part is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Uh, what are the busybodies? If you keep prognosing into other people's matters that backfire on you because they now take it of you, then it's just your fault. That's why I said, don't be busybody. Pray for them and leave them alone. Verse 16. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, because you preach to them, they get upset with you. You tell them the truth, they want to beat you. You are preaching the gospel of salvation to them that hell is, is a definite place. They don't want to go there, they repent. And they didn't believe it and they want to beat you. Say so you are suffering for Christ. If any man suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God on this behalf. Glorify God that you are suffering for Christ. Because then you are now in the class of prophets. Because the prophet, the persecuted prophets, that's what they fall into. 
That's what Jesus Christ said. He said, they persecuted the prophets that were before you. So you should rejoice. Let me read that, that in Matthew chapter 5, where the Lord Jesus Christ gave us his own exhortation of, if you are persecuted for righteousness sake, you said rejoice. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and see all manner of you, all manner of evil against you. Verse Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, make sure it is falsely they are saying it. So that if somebody said when we were preaching, when we were in uh, Africa, and we were, I was still not married then, and I have some people in my fellowship, both men and women, and some people are unbelievers, they just want to mock, and they were saying it right be, be before my face and say, oh, this man is just making a it's just making people believe that it's, it's righteous. That gay that has been coming to the church, he has been having sex with that gay. A lie. <laughs> they just make up a lie. You see? But after I left the place, they were confessing that this man was different and they gave their life to Christ. But they, they will accuse you. That's what I postponed. They make sure it is falsely. See? Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. They were saying it falsely against me for Christ's sake. Trying to make me look bad that hey, this man is just making it up. He's going about preaching. He's, he, I was fake. When they have no, no evidence, they will accuse, accuse me right before my face that that lady that had been coming to my church, to my fellowship, I must have been having sex with that lady. I said, that's a lie of the devil. See. But Jesus Christ said, Make sure it is falsely for your sake. Verse 12 says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. That's what I'm trying to point to. The Lord Jesus Christ already given us that, that they will talk evil against you falsely for my sake. You remember what they said by the Lord Jesus Christ? They said he was very simple. They said he was talking to these publicans and harlots. Can imagine what they will be thinking of. He was talking to Halos. They will have said he must have been sleeping with them too. He was talking to publicans. He must have been getting money from them. This publican that are stealing money from us, they are sponsoring him. So that's why the Pharisees were always against Jesus. But he was there to combat this this publican. He said they will say every manner of evil against you. Falsely. He said they will say every manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Make sure it's false because they are false accusers. They may rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And that's what Apostle Peter also was referring to when he said, If you suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Verse 16 of 1 Peter chapter 4 is what I'm about to say. For the verse 17 says, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Judgment. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Now, it's warning us. God is going to bring judgment, but he's going to start from his own house. So if you are a minister of the gospel, or you are a believer, and the accusation they are bringing against you by the men of the world is actually not false, then God is going to judge you too. And judgment is going to start from the household of God. 
you pastors that are embezzling money and sweeping the biblical congregation and putting money in your pocket to make yourself multimillionaires. God is going to bring judgment from his own household first. So Apostle Peter is telling you, judgment will begin from the house of God. And if it begins from us, what can be the end when it comes to the unbelievers? God is going to destroy them. Seriously. But in his house, household, he's going to bring some judgment too. Verse 18. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? The righteous is scarcely saved. Because when God brings judgment, even those that claim to be barely making it righteous, God says, you will scarcely saved. What about the sinner? Well, they will be in the lake of fire. Verse 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing. If you suffer according to the will of God, commit your life to the hand of God in well-doing as a faithful and as a as unto a faithful creator. God will take care of you if you just trust in him. And we trust that the Lord God is blessing with this exercise. We continue in the next broadcast. God bless you. Amen.